I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Can't drink it at the moment anyway because the tap water's oh, there's full a situation. of shite and the bottled water is being recalled. So, Well, I started my drinking tree of them a day yesterday and didn't realise until I came in today looking at the map with you. And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, where's the the boil? Do you call it a boil notice? Boil water notice, boil, yeah. yeah. Hannah was like, oh, where is that? You know, whereabouts in Dublin? And I was like, um, well, a few parts. And she's like, we just look at swords there. And I was like, oh. Me, I'm pumping this into myself. <laughs> I was like, there's a red line of a sword. You're not even meant to brush your teeth. Have you got the stomach cramps on? This is TV Worth Talking About. Shrine Podcasts presents Dublin Murders. Hello and welcome to Shrine Podcast Presents Dublin Murders. It's Rebecca here. I'm Brendan. I'm Hannah Cyrus choking. On her I'm par- water. parasitic water. <laughs> how how are you? If I end up sick now, Brendan, you'll feel really bad. Yeah, fingers crossed it's not what we're doing the podcast. It's a small enough room. Um, how are you all this week, guys? Yeah, really good. How are you? Very well. Hannah. Oh, I'm still recovering. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I had a rice cake and then I started laughing. Listen, we've had an eventful week in terms of television with Dublin Murders. So episodes three and four were extremely (laughs) eventful. Uh, We saw a full moon in the form of a naked man covered in red wine dancing around the woods. A typical Friday night for us, am I right? (laughs) Um, And uh, of course as well, I missed this the first time I had to rewind it. An appearance from Fran from Love Hate, a.k.a. Peter Coonan. Was he in? I knew one. it was Fran. Yeah. You've just confirmed it's it for his me. Voice. All he right, Nigi, me old pal. Yeah, he's got such. A <laughs> <laughs> we need to cut just a clip of Brendan doing that. Uh, what was it that we did? That was. What did you say when we were uh, podcasting about Lion and Judy? And Brendan said something. We we're like, we we're gonna cut that and use it against you forever. Can you remember what? what? No, and I'm glad. <laughs> we'll have to go back and get it. Um, yeah, but Peter Coonan's voice is very, very distinctively deep. Yeah, he's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's like me with the rice cake I'm going to read out the recap now in that voice I know um, other notable moments include Cassie's twin slash doppelganger Lexi being found brutally murdered that was very that's shocking what's going on <laughs> and Cassie and Rob having the ride yeah but also I was more shocked by his reaction we all knew the ride was coming let's be honest it no, ended no I didn't ah Brendan would you come no, on no I didn't I, I really thought they hoping. were more brother and sister than anything else no there was sexual I tension. mean they could still be going by this show I mean listen I Look. was hoping for a ride but I mean guys I have to say one thing <laughs> now when we say <laughs> we're going to clip that, damn it. 
when we say we're going to clip up. I was hoping to see a bit more action. I'm not going to lie to you. I felt like it was this big lead up and then there was a little kiss and then the next morning they wake up. I was like, nah, come on. Yeah, it was a bit PG-13, wasn't it? Like, like I just um, what did they do in the car after the kiss as that's well that's what I thought about for ages but that's a long because journey because they were in the middle right this is what I was <laughs> yeah. thinking about right so they had this big sexy kiss and then they were obviously like right it's on on the side of the road yeah like, and they're like, like up bet into the Dublin mountains they'd ages to go back she lives in Black Rock I was like just, what were they doing that what car? did they do in the car like was his hand on her leg like what were they talking about was it awkward I like, couldn't agree more I thought about that like literally for about 20 minutes <laughs> I just, if we ever get to interview any of the cast members we'll be like what did you do in between then they're like it's not real but I was I was wondering the same it thing it is real um, someone wrote on Twitter that Dublin Murders has more twists and turns than an Irish country road and they're not wrong they're yeah. not. Um, Beautiful writing. There is a lot going on, guys. So hopefully our recaps uh, of this week's episodes will help make things a little clearer or else I confuse mean, you yeah, even more. They might not. It's Let's hard be to honest. Um, ha- is it Hannah or Brendan? Who's doing which episode? It's me. Hannah's going first. I hope I can get through this here, guys. It's touch and go <laughs> with the rice cake. And you know when you think the rice cake's gone then, and gone. then like 10 minutes in, it just comes back <laughs> up again. Awful. Poor thing. Right, well, we get going. Go on. Yes. Right, get comfortable now. This is episode three. Episode three. The first of this week. It went out on Monday at 9pm and it goes out tonight on RT. Mm-hmm. The episode opens in 1985. Shane, Johnny and Kyle run through the forest as Adam, Jamie and Peter watch on. Have I got all those names correct? I am really getting mixed up between the two groups, age groups in the 80s in Shane, the forest. Shane. Shane, Johnny. John Devlin. Jonathan, yeah. Sh- yeah. Kyle. And Cahill. Yeah. Cahill with the striking Jamie, eyes. Jamie, Peter. Yeah, or yes. the three younger, yeah. Okay. So, they look suspicious. Jamie appears to be timing the situation on a Mickey Mouse watch. So, they're kind of watching the older gang. They're inside a hedge. The guys can't see them. Shane falls behind the older gang. Jo- Johnny and Cahill are running ahead. But he catches up to Johnny and he's freaked out. He's convinced that someone is laughing at them. Remember this point. It comes back later on. Later. I'm but still in that time. Them. Yeah, laughing at them. That's a clue. Write your clues down. Okay. Later, but still in that timeline, Adam and his parents sneak out of their house late at night, presumably heading for the English boarding school. There seems to be loads of time jumps. I don't think we're watching these chronologically. Over the shop, yeah. At all in any timeline whatsoever. Doesn't help the confusion. Does not not helping. So as they leave, uh, but brilliantly written, as they leave, (laughs) we see the word changeling spray painted on their house. So that obsessed. Great film. I was going to say, all I could think of was the movie. Belcher of a film. Mm. We'll get to a theory on that later. Yeah, it brings up the whole fetch thing, brings up the whole Lexi thing. Um, but before their car can pull out onto the road, Jamie's mother, Alicia, please God, that's the correct name, she appears, she's distressed, she's in the middle of the road, she's stopping them from driving off, she's pleading for information about her daughter and Peter's disappearances. Then we cut to the intro. Now, we didn't talk about this last week, the intro music is great. I love it. Oh, brilliant! My yeah. ringtone. Yeah, I'm really, really into. Give it. me the music on Instagram. The Sherlock music is still my ringtone on my phone from way back when. Uh, ben de Cumbach, Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, the number one Oz. Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, Stephen Moffat, Marketeeth. I haven't yeah. seen it, but I'm sure it's gorgeous. Guys, I we spoke about the time I bumped into Moriarty and Tiger. <laughs> on that, that show special place in my heart. Yeah. Okay, so the episode begins with a wide shot of everyone involved in all of the incidents, 1985 and present, that have happened in Knocknery Wood so far. They're on a board in the police station. Everyone. So that was actually really good. We love good. a board. 
love a corkscrew board now it's kind of good to see all the faces remind yourself and we hear a voiceover of a woman sobbing down the guy the information phone line just sobbing doesn't say anything then we see Rob and Cassie there on site in the wood. Sophie, who's leading the forensic investigation, asks Rob for more uniforms on the ground as they've been dealing with hassle from passers-by. Mark it in your notes, guys. It's a clue. I really yeah. like her. Same. So do I. I really like her. Do you know why, she? Brendan? Because she gets shit done. Yeah. No, guys, but I it, love her I as an actress. I know her from somewhere. Yeah, so do I. And I tried to Google Sophia Dublin Murders and I couldn't Is find... Is her name Sophia? I think so. And you know as well, does she... Like, at one point I was convinced that she was in a Maltesers ad. You said that last week. I don't know. She was reminding me of yeah. Luther's wife, but it's not her she either. She does, yes. Isn't she a bit like her? Yes. Yeah, I don't know where she's from, but I just like, she's just getting shit done. She's up there. She's looking after the site. I trust her wholeheartedly in every decision. I feel like we'd all get on with her. Really now, we'll get on with her, Mm -hmm. I think. So Rob agrees to organise this and he leaves with Cassie to meet Sandra Scully, but not before they're questioned by Dr. Hanley, who's got issues for fucking days, (laughs) about how much longer his work is going to be disturbed and Cassie calls him a massive dick. Now, thank you. I love that. Can I just jump in here quickly? Do you remember last week I wondered if Dr. Hanley was in the Love Pork ad. You know, the bike, yes! yeah. No, so anyway, it turns out it wasn't him because Rebecca's lovely boyfriend sent me a picture going, is this who you thought that was? And the second I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that's not him. But I found out where I do know him from. Go on, so. Go on. He was Sharon Horgan's brother in Catastrophe. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, we knew he was familiar. Yeah. Do you know so, that love... I mean, we saw a bit more of him this week, didn't we? <laughs> love mean, Pork. We saw the whole of the moon. Um... Where where are we now? I'm sorry. That story just so throws me because I'm thinking about the time right when I used to go to mass. I now I swear to God this was the talk of the parish of YouTube in the church. Where you would have been going? pissing yourselves. Our priest was in an ad for peas, but the ad was like really. <laughs> Exactly that. He, but it was when you had like you. three channels, and I think the ad was on before like <laughs> Win and Streak or something. The, uh, we'd that all see a really it. high rotation. Like that's a high listenership. Mass time. was <laughs> rammed uh, the next Sunday, and we were like, "It is he him." So and then famous. he said it in a homily. It was him. Our priest that out of side jobs. He was kind of a younger, cool priest. All right. In an yeah, ad I know. For I peas. thought they were meant to live without wealth and without uh, anyway. Look, fame, money, fit money, all the things that come with being an ad before Win and Streak. <laughs> but peas. there you go. Now, this is sad, but so get serious. So a hearse containing Katie's body drives slowly down a road, pa- passing press and neighbours and grieving family. Alicia's there. She comes, cr- so that is Jamie's mum. Yeah. She comes crying to Margaret's door and says, I know, anytime you need me, I'm here because I know. So basically she's like, let me know if you need me help. We're both in the stress. Something very weird has happened to our kids. She's spooky, isn't she? Mad stuff going on with her. Yeah. yeah. Cassie and Rob are in Sandra Scully's kitchen. Now, Sandra Scully seems to live on the same road. Can I say one thing about this, guys? About Sandra Scully? Yeah, they're all on the same road. Yeah. Her belt. It was such an ode to 2006. I didn't know it was I had no, that I didn't belt. I had the exact brown belt. And Describe it. It's like um, like big kind of fake suede rings, like circles. I know, With, with exactly. silver on top and a chain that ties it all together. I, totally I mean, I just thought that that was a standout moment. All I wrote was Sandra's belt. Um, Sandra Scully is one of those names like you'd uh, well you'd never just call her Sandra I don't think she'll always be Sandra Scully you know yes. one of them um, so she admits to not telling the truth about her relationship with Jonathan Devlin the detectives press her on this and she says she broke up with him because they were kids that was it no real reason don't believe her and she said she did know Margaret at the time and her and John had split up by the time that Jamie and Peter went missing she also said she used to wank him in the woods <laughs> 
a hand shandy under the moon. She was like, what did you want me to say? I used to wank him in the woods. I was like, oh my lord. And he looks like such a prude. Whatever way they have him dressed now. He can't it's almost like he's like very priest. like Wanked in the woods by yeah, Sandra. But you know what I mean? He seems very like he's really religious now or something and they have a real religious family. You know, it's it's an unusual situation. Yeah, he's, he's repenting, I think, for yeah. something. Um, so Rob then asks um, if John got Sandra pregnant and she looks absolutely stunned and says, what's our, what's our phrase for really good lines? Killer line. Killer line. Here we go. That old bitch, Mrs. Fitzgerald, good Catholic woman, me gosh. Me gosh. Best thing I've ever heard. Ever. You wouldn't want to believe a thing that comes out of her mouth. And she stops the interview there. A bit devastated because I would have gone to war for Mrs. Fitzgerald last week, to oh, be honest. So, but the we had no laundry. Mrs. Fitzgerald this week at all. None. Only her when the hearse went by, she was doing the, what you call that thing? That blessing herself. Yeah. You know me in religion. <laughs> you were literally like blessing yourself I on that thing. I literally was doing Vogue by Madonna. <laughs> yeah, she was only there for really briefly, but she, oh, but Sandra's like, she's pure evil. And yeah, I'm Sandra like, is Mrs. Her. Fitzgerald like, all, like, you know, is she on Well, I something? don't think Mrs. Fitzgerald's evil. I think she knows everything and yeah. Sandra doesn't like that. Mm. I also just didn't like her Magdalene Laundry comment though last week. Sorry, very good point. I yeah, just was like, that. I do think there's a, there's a sinister streak to her. We will see outside Sandra's house, Rob and Cassie spot a journalist they now his name is Mr Boyle he pushes them for information on uh, Katie's murder for a suspect they get him to leave then Cassie says to Rob that she's worried someone's going to recognise him well fucking obviously I'm glad someone is it's an absolutely (laughs) mental situation (laughs) he's the image of himself he actually is he's very good looking that if if I saw a telly a thing on telly of a detective I'd be like that guy's gorgeous oh wait he looks like Adam and he's the only person out of everyone that was in the woods that doesn't live on the same road and people keep (laughs) circling on pages his name so I would also have cause for concern about that Um, Cassie makes the point that Alicia hasn't seen him properly yet back at base the team so the team is now Quigley Sam Cassie and we got no um, no real Mr O'Kelly this week Either no, not really. Not no, much of him, no, no. There was a, there was a little bit. I think in the next episode, but like not not much. No. So back at base, the team discuss French tracksuit man who made the threatening phone and who made the threatening phone calls to Jonathan Devlin about the motorway. Rob sends Sam down to Glen Skihe to see if anyone else has received similar calls or it may recognise the drawing that they've done above this guy. Mm-hmm. So Quigley's up next. He fills the team in on what he's been doing. He's been revising the records from 1985. He said he spotted that Cahill Mills, Jonathan Devlin and Margaret Byrne, their stories hold throughout. They never change from their first interview to their last. Mm-hmm. Shane Waters doesn't change his story, but he just has to go to the toilet, smack his face off the, the wash base and has to go to hospital for stitches. And then when he's back in the interview again, his story is aligning with the others. Can you say Marcella? Can you say Marcella? <laughs> she hasn't seen it. We'll just... We'll leave that there. Yeah. But can you say, Marcella? Jesus. Rob checks the records and notices that Shay needed seven stitches and remarks he wasn't playing. Sam asks, what happened to Adam? Thank you. <laughs> After all this. <laughs> and Cassie covers for him saying, we're neck deep in it together, Rob. Absolutely. Is this a sackable offence? Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel he like... He should have been hired. Absolutely perverting the course of justice beyond belief. Yeah. It's he seemed to kind of get kicks out of it as well in this episode. He was kind of getting thrills. A different side to him now yeah. in this episode. I'm horrified. Asking questions about himself. It's like, oh. Yeah, he. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Rob and Cass are now alone in the office. They try the burner number again. So they're basically calling the number that's been threatening Jonathan Devlin. The scene cuts to a tall, dark-haired man outside a news agency. 
his phone is ringing. Then he enters the Mallon Davis construction mm-hmm. offices. In what must be a different timeline, I wrote at the time because I was writing this as I was as watching we were going, it. Yep. Cassie is a thick fringe. She seems to be on top of a hill near some ruins. Her phone rings. A man's voice says, Lexi, where are you? Frustrated, she says she's nearly home and she runs off. You'd miss yeah. your phone battery being that good, wouldn't you? If someone rang my phone 50 million times, I mean, they wouldn't. It would go straight to voice. And you were atop, on top of a hill in the Dublin mountains. Yeah, yeah, the signal. You're not getting coverage up there. No. So, Caddy, uh, Caddy, I keep calling her Caddy, Katie's white coffin is displayed in the Devlin sitting room and the family sit around it. Simone, the ballet teacher, is there too. Rosalind asks what she's wearing and Simone says she ch- what Katie's wearing and Simone says she chose Katie's favourite practice dress for her to be laid to rest in. Bit weird that the dance teacher yeah. is putting her in the dancing outfit. And the dance, like the way it was filmed, the dance, the ballet teacher sitting beside Jonathan yeah. and the wife is facing him opposite other side of the coffin great shots in this and I think they have a lot of meaning mm. the continuity was the really good as well because later on in the episode the candles are up like they're newly lit and then yeah. later on in the episode they're completely burnt down and I was like mother of God you are noticing things between yeah. the belts <laughs> I the mean I love gems a candle to have for us so Margaret gets upset upon learning that the coffin is lined with dark blue velvet rather than pale pink silk. This is a major issue. She turns on John again and she does this. She did this in the last uh, episode. She's like, it's you, isn't it? Always you. You stole my daughter. You were stealing her to go away and now you're stealing her again. This you thing. She is fuming at John over something. Mm. She turns to Simone. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You're a thief and a robber didn't know what she was talking about there and now she's talking about the child robbing her daughter I think potentially John roars she has every right to be here Rosalind attempts to calm down her mother who has broken into a fit of tears she's devastated that she wasn't consulted on the colour of the coffin lining I wonder is she also accusing her of robbing her husband I think so too yeah I think so too also Rosalind and Simone are V close aren't they they're very close I yeah. think that John and Simone were having an affair. Yeah, they looked very cosy beside yeah. that coffin. <laughs> and I think there is clues in the way the scenes are portrayed and shots are shown to us in this show. Yeah, there's something going on I think there. it's very clever written. So at that exact moment then, Jess, the other twin, roars, I'm pink. Katie's favourite colour was blue, stupid. I'm pink and she's blue. And Simone leads her out of the room. Now, there's something going on there. Yeah. Mm. And if this isn't twin swap 101 and the mom knows but she can't express it because she's so unwell and no one will believe her and she's getting confused between the twins, I don't know what is. Yeah, the mom knows that her favourite colour. Do you Do know, you know what I mean? We're yeah. still on twin swap. But forever and always, Brenda, because okay. I'm right. There's too many twins. There's something to do with twins. There's something yeah. to do with twins. It's not fair to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, Simone leads, it is Jessica, yeah, Jessica out of the room. Margaret says, I should have been consulted. Now John says to her, you were, you were asleep, like you're always asleep. Margaret says, I'm not asleep, I'm ill. And John snorts in her face. Is he drugging her? I think so too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think she's like, I'm not asleep, I'm me- ill. Medicating her, yeah. Yeah. So. Someone is. Mm-hmm. Someone is, yeah. Yeah. And I also think that line, I'm not asleep. She isn't, she's like, I'm noticing everything. I'm awake, yeah. I, yeah. I know yeah, that's not my daughter. I know what's going on with the coffin. I might be able to express it. Maybe people aren't believing me, but I'm not asleep. Yeah. Obsessed. I had to pause that for a minute and just take it in. I had chills. Quigley, back in the um, police station. Police station. Thank you. 
Back in the police station. Quigley has found late Detective McCabe's notebook. So Detective McCabe worked on the 1985 case. He died of cancer, but he worked on the case right up to his death. We learned about him in the last two episodes. He says... He reads it out basically to Rob and it reads, There's something here and it hates us. It is malevolence. Those children were taken as a tide, a reckoning to settle an account. You're never going to find them. This place is, is laughing at us. Guys. Like, I'm just not into that side of things. And I know, I really am. The supernatural stuff, no. Like, get it away from me. And they keep using, so obviously the laughing thing keeps coming back up and... Reckoning, the word reckoning keeps getting used. Yeah, the word reckoning does. Is the word reckoning a religious word? Mm, Probably. I I think it is. Probably. Possibly. I think it is. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of supernatural elements. And I love that. So do I. I Like, because I love that they're going to tie it back into reality and truth we're not used to that though we love a crime drama that's very you know DNA scientific do you know what I mean but that's why I think this reminds me of particularly season one of True Detective so much because that was of a very similar vein like the way Matthew McConaughey's character would have spoken about time and space and the stars Mm. would have almost seemed supernatural but then the ending and who ended up being the murderer it was all just very normal you could have just written it out very linearly but the way it was presented I found very creative definition of reckoning the avenging or punishing of past mistakes or misdeeds okay so he's yeah he he was involved in 1985 so now his daughter's dead yeah and I mean I think that goes without saying yeah yeah totally but why did 1985 happen in the first place and this Deck McCabe's notebook the word reckoning there is used speaking about the first yeah, the two first, disappearances yeah. so, so that's interesting before that exactly yeah. so Rob passes it off he said McCabe had cancer must have been the morphine talking but it was actually written in 1987 so before he was too ill Rob tells Quigley to lose the notebook and he shreds it so fast <laughs> like, so fast before he could play swung like, around he was shredded <laughs> and I was like no uh, um, so Quigley shreds it and remarks that McCabe keeps his reputation. What's going on? Rob was like, I didn't mean to shred it. Yeah. And he was like, oh, people are going to think he's barking at the moon. I'm not trusting Rob, guys. No. At all. No. Sam and Cassie have a date night, beer and takeaway in her apartment. It's very cute. He says he thinks a lot of her and it looks as if he was about to say I love you and she freaks out because um, it's still potentially early days for them. Dr. Hanley watches the investigation in the woods ominously. It's night time and he's in the shadows. He is so <laughs> fucking weird. Ready to do the full Monty. <laughs> like, yeah, literally, like, that scene <laughs> is about... Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually was the shock of that. I was so shocked. <laughs> It's like, so weird. And I, first, I, go on, go on. Go on. <laughs> but go so on. I thought that was blood first off. Same. I was like, oh, why? where did you get that from? I was like, from? is he riding the altar? <laughs> I was so confused. But like, uh, he is. Like, <laughs> it's just... Dry riding a slab. Yeah, literally. Guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's not awesome. <laughs> the next morning... John holds a vigil at Katie's coffin. Looks like he's been sat there all night. He can barely stand. He's weeping. Now, we stay in that scene for a very long time. 
considering the last theme is literally a flash Hanley in the woods waiting to ride the altar then straight into like <laughs> a, like a, maybe a 30 second long scene of just John crying at his daughter's coffin yeah and he kind of falls over when he gets up oh he's all over the shop yeah. Yeah. I was like is he you know what I mean like obviously he had, he had never really slept yeah there's something going on in that house mm. now Sam and Quigley head to I forgot the name of that place what was it called that I said that they were going off to Kinch. the gamut of G Kin, not knocknery. No, not knocknery. It has an S in it. Had it written down here. No, it literally has a G and a K. Oh. <laughs> anyway, this is great podcasting, isn't it? So just make up a your D own name. A D and a G. They go up to where the students live. They're going up to where the students live. Mm. So basically it's, yeah, they're basically been sent up there by Rob. They kind of stop at the ruins on the hill. It looks like it was where Lexi was. They spot paint man's he rises, he rises sign on the Malin Davis construction billboard. So the, mm-hmm. all those things are in the same place, basically. Knocknery, the sign. Yeah. Where Lexi was, all in the same area. So Katie's coffin is lowered into the ground. The devastated procession watch on. This includes Rob slash Adam. Mr. Boyle is there taking photos. Garda Phelan is there, Reb. Alicia, she looks right at Rob, but he's confident that he uh, that she doesn't know who he is. No Mark Hanley, though. Rosalind, Rosalind loses it and falls to the ground as dirt is scattered on her sister's coffin. She's confronted or comforted by Simone, so not her family, Simone. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Holding We're just her very tightly. Not getting any answers, but like in the best kind of way. So Sam and Quigley pull up to a country manor. Apparently students live there. They own it. I know it's the boom. What is it with people owning Sorry, property they've no right to own? That house is absolutely stunning. Absolutely out of this world. That's a gorgeous. venue. Stunning venue that you could, probably it? couldn't afford. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, well, I can't remember the name of the place. Yeah. <laughs> so they leave it out under the door. Someone watches them leave from an upper window. They head... Um, they head to the pub to bribe locals with drinks, but it doesn't work. A sketchy-looking fellow walks outside to a car. Lexi's in it. Also, the guy whose phone was ringing earlier on when they tried the number that is threatening John Devlin. They're yeah. both in the car. Cassie and Rob quiz John on the man who made the phone calls to him back in his house. He says, it's a standard Dublin accent. I can't tell you anymore. Rob asks, are you still in touch with Cahill and Shane? John says, no. Do you remember Jamie, Peter and Adam? Of course I bloody do. Why did Shane bash his face off a wash bathroom? I don't know. Where's Shane? Dead, probably. So Shane, I'm presuming, is... Paint man. Paint man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. John sits on the edge of the bed. So basically, Rob and Cassie leave. John goes upstairs. He sits on the edge of the bed that Margaret's in it. He, uh, she, uh, he tells her that Rob and Cassie asked about the three kids and they both look worried. And it's probably the the first time that Margaret's had a facial expression that isn't just pure distress. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. reacting to a moment for the first time. Rob tells Cassie he thinks John is lying. She disagrees. He thinks he may be protesting the dig in case it unearths Peter and Jamie's bodies. Fair. I think we all kind of have a similar feeling about reasons why that dig may or may not be happening. Rob's mum texts him. She wants to see him. Rob and Cassie are back in the woods. He asks Dr. Hanley in his office why he wasn't at the funeral. And so the office is basically this kind of container inside of the wood. They have all of the stuff that they found, all of the artifacts. And he spots Jamie's watch. It's a Mickey Mouse watch, right? Or it has some sort of drawings on it that we recognise from the opening scene. It's really muddy. They found it in the dirt during the dig, but didn't document where because they they thought it was rubbish. Rob goes to the basement of the police department and stores the watch in an evidence box. He is super freaked out. Yeah. I don't know if he stored the watch's new evidence. 
Yeah, or it for didn't his look own. like it. I didn't for his own. Th- yeah, if he was trying to put it in like it was found years ago. Was it Jamie's or Not was it sure. his? It was. I thought it was his. Is it his watch? I think it might have been. Jamie is holding it and timing okay. something. She's timing um, when they're watching Cahill Shane and Johnny running through the woods. She's like watching. Okay. I'm presuming she's timing it, but she could yeah. have been holding his watch. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's down in the basement now. I feel like there needs to be more supervision down there. He's got way too much access. And more lighting. It's very dark. Yeah, there's a lot going on down there. It's mad. So he goes to meet his mum with Cassie in a calf. His mum's called Claire. She has spotted Alicia on the front page of the newspaper. She's worried that Alicia will start on Rob again. Claire suggests writing a letter to the paper, giving her side of the story. Rob tells her... That will fuck me up. Claire starts to cry. But she's raging at Alicia. She was behind everything. The fire starting. The stone throwing. She basically blames this woman for tearing their family apart. And having to have her son move to the UK. Yeah. Why does she get away with it? But Cass reminds her that Alicia never saw her child again. And yours is sitting right in front of you. Claire leaves in tears. And Cassie walks her out. It's night time in the woods. <laughs> Dr. Hanley lets Anything the bonfire. Gets naked and covers himself in red wine. And starts spinning around. <laughs> dancing and screaming. He hugs the altar and then is lit up by the torches of two Gardi. Back in the... Um, <laughs> but I don't know what else to say. It that was. Happens. Bizarre. Bizarre. Back yeah. in the station, Rob and Cassie question him. Um, implied that he was getting off on the thrill of the murder scene. Hanley says that isn't what he was doing and they wouldn't understand. But he admits to sleeping there for a couple of nights. Cassie says all bodily fluid samples have been taken from the body and the site. Sweat, saliva and semen. Would they be yours, Mark? I didn't touch her. Why would I do a thing like that? Well, I mean, Mark, come on. It doesn't look very good right now. Mark asks, Rob and Cassie, do you know what Nok Nari means? It means the hill of the king. I sleep in the woods to be close to the place, to hear its heartbeat because it's alive. And I make an offering of myself asking for a miracle because if we don't get a miracle we're going to lose that place I'm worried about it being lost to the motorway Rob interrupts does this offering include your ejaculate did you masturbate over Katie's body he asks him where he was during the time of the murder he says he was at a house party and then he went home and then on the night that Katie's body was found he was home Rob asks can you prove it and Mark looks worried outside the interview room Cassie says they um, Cassie says that Mark Oh, sorry. That um, basically what Mark was doing in the woods isn't so strange as they make this toast to the murder gods, which we saw them do at the end of episode one. Because that's not strange. Exactly, but she's kind of saying like we do that as well. Like it's not weird to have your own gods, to have your own beliefs. We do that as well. And um, but what Mark did is way weirder. Let's be honest. Yeah. So the woman who's on the dig with Mark, I don't know her name. She's brought in and she gives Mark an alibi. She says she didn't um, say it originally that she was with Mark because she's married and she's a child, but she doesn't wear her her wedding ring. Basically, so, so they she were riding on stone. No, not on the stone in her house. Stake on a stone. Sorry, but why is there ejaculant on the stone? There isn't ejaculate on the stone. Oh, okay. They were doing that thing where they tried to, where they were going to try and crack him by being as cruel and horrible as the, and evil. You know that they did like the they girl who was beside the start, I yeah. just wasn't sure. Yeah, I must. I wasn't paying attention. I just was like, "What is on that stone?" No. So they were basically being like, "We're testing for everything." They haven't got the oh, test okay, back yeah. yet, and they were just trying to push him to see. So if he basically, break. he didn't murder Katie because he was riding the girl who's on the dig with them, who's married. Exactly. Well, she's given him this alibi. She's so saying that's where he was. Yeah. yeah. We're going to just have to believe that, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we see a very cool shot of both interview rooms. So we actually see, I'm calling her Dig Woman. That's really disrespectful. I don't know her name. She leaves one interview room and you just see the other. It's basically a, a kind of a split screen, but it's just the way the police station is laid out. And you see him sitting in there in his own with one singular light coming down. So I feel like there's more to that story because they gave him this prominent shot. So Rob learns that Cahill Mills is due to land in Dublin. He's coming home from Berlin. Interrupted by a phone call from Simone. She was speaking to Jessica, who told her of a man that was speaking to Katie before she disappeared. Um, so that they basically go and see Simone about this. Katie was asked, did you want to see some kittens? Cassie asked Simone to get Rosalind to ask Jess to tell the story again in her own words. So they're all in the dance studio. Mm-hmm. Jess and Simone are dancing. Rosalind, Rob and Cassie are watching on. Jess retells the story. The man said to Katie, you're pretty, come with me, I've kittens. Jess wanted to see the kittens, but Katie told Jess they were going home. The man followed them, Katie told her to turn around. Then he wasn't behind them anymore and they went home. Jess said that he was wearing running clothes. Can you remember what running clothes? Asked Cassie. Blue, stupid, Katie's colour. They were blue. Does anyone else, did you guys feel like that was a bit rehearsed or something? Or she'd been coached into saying that? I don't know if it's just the way she talks, yeah. maybe. Yeah. However, I think that they are different twins. So I think it is going to seem forced because she's trying to appear like her sister used to be. Yeah. If you get me. So I yeah. think one sister has learning difficulties, one doesn't. I, it's what I've gathered. Yeah. This is the sister that doesn't have learning difficulties acting as if she does. Yeah, I just, I don't know what it was about that scene. I was just like, oh, this is just convenient now that the dad knows that there's a suspect and then all of a sudden they're telling them about this man who randomly went up to her. I don't know. I just... And this blue and pink thing is being pushed. Yeah, yeah. the French blue tracksuit, the blue, pink, blue, the blue pink. pink coffin. Yeah. Do you remember their bedroom was actually one side of it is pink and super messy and the other side of it is mm. blue and really, really neat? Like their beds are literally split in half. Mm-hmm. So this is a big thing and this will this will reveal all, I think. Um, later, Rob and Cassie tell Jonathan Devlin about the description that Jess gave and they leave. John looks his daughter up and down and says, you didn't tell me you were talking to them. Rosalind leaves the room to check on mummy. John follows her to the end of the stairs and stops and looks super angry. Now, I shit myself. Terrifying. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought it was going to get proper dark. Thankfully, it didn't. Sophie comes into the station. She has test results from Adam's clothes. Now... Why the fuck wasn't this done in 1985? The blood is A, negative. Peter and Jamie were O, positive, but it can't be Adam's blood because he didn't suffer any blood loss or have a single injury. Now, maybe she's just... No, but she says test results. So these are only tested now. Maybe we didn't have that kind of... um, Are we able to test Uh, like that in the 80s? I don't know. You'd be surprised. DNA testing came in so late. I think yeah. it was in the early 90s. So maybe Yeah, you would know. You'd be able to know what blood type somebody is. Yeah. Well, it wasn't done, obviously. It's yeah. only been done now. Um, she said, I've been doing this a long time and I've never seen a blade like mm. the one used to cut this t-shirt. And I've never seen a situation where blood comes from nowhere. Then Rob says, the dickheads in the woods that she was referring to earlier on when she asked him to put more guard the patrol on her site. What noises were they making? Sophie. They were laughing. He shits himself. The camera pans the evidence <laughs> board and stops on Cahill's photo. What? Yeah. Does that you like he shits himself? Shit himself. Yeah. yeah. Dead. Yeah. Then behind them, the camera pans and it stops on Cahill's photo. Cassie and Sam kiss in bed and she tells him that she thinks a lot of him too. He leaves for work. Cassie's phone rings. This was mad paro. I thought he was cheating on her, which was obviously what you think. Cassie's phone rings, waking her up. 
it's Sam's voice. He sounds really distressed. He's like, Cass, Cassie. And she's like, yeah, have you been in an accident? And he's like, oh no, it's just a pocket call. Grant hangs up, right? So weird. Until you obviously know that he's up there looking at her bleeding, dead, identical twin. Yeah. She falls back into a nightmare until she's woken by her phone again. It's Frank. He says, get up, get dressed. There's a car outside. Wear something that covers your head. Do it now. Alicia rings the guard the information line for Cathy Devlin. So it's obviously her voice that we heard at the start of the episode. Yeah. She says, thank you. You should be looking for Adam. Ask Adam what he did in the woods. Now, I'm sorry. You don't need some random woman to tell you to ask <laughs> the only person involved who's in the alive. whole thing who's, al- who's, who's alive. alive and you haven't found. Hello. Meanwhile, Rob is in the evidence room. He's surrounded by evidence from 1985. He's taping McCabe's shredded note back together. Yeah. Now, he told Quigley to get rid of that, but he obviously didn't mean it. Flashback to 1985. Both groups of friends are there. The older ones, the younger ones. Sandra says to Jamie, we've seen this scene before. You'll get all the boys in a few years, Jamie. What do you reckon, Cole? Cole leers at her and then says, jailbait. Jonathan calls him a pervert. The others laugh. Cole looks Jamie up and down and she wipes their lipstick off. It's sick. Yeah. Back in the present, Rob stares um, Rob stares at McCabe's letter and looks up as if he's realised something. He then cracks his neck and spots that handsome wolf and they lock eyes. His neck is always sore every time he sees the wolf. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a really the injury good point. is yeah. connected to whatever he, memory is coming through with that. Yeah. And whatever he realised reading McCabe's note made him think about the wolf and then brought back the neck injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think, remember the blue rope as well. Yeah, the power of your memory, how it manifests. You know, when you smell something, it, so many things come rushing back. It's like his injury is coming back. Yeah, when there's he... certain aftershaves from drunken nights and you're like, whoo, <laughs> yeah. can't. I wonder, was he hung? <laughs> Like, he obviously didn't die. But you know, the blue rope the blue is a thing. Yeah. He was hanged. If he's a neck injury, is that something? Or maybe. He, wasn't he found tied to the tree? He wasn't tied to it. I thought oh. he was no, hugging he was just it. Hugging he's the holding tree. on yeah, to he was it. hiding so. behind it. Very Dr. Hanley. Yeah. Um, a black Jeep. Oh, back in the present. Oh, yeah, no, we've done that. A black Jeep with Cassie inside. It speeds past the He Rises, He Rises sign. They drive past an ambulance and a guard of the car with loads of guardies standing around. The driver of the car tells her to put her hood up. He lets her out. She's in the ruined house the last time we saw Lexi. Um, crows are squawking. She stands over, Sam is standing over a body with Carner and Frank. Sam spots her and says, are you insane, Cassie? Don't. She pushes past him and looks down. It's her bloody identical twin that we thought was imaginary. Lexi, so creepy. Her eyes are open. Her nose is bleeding. She's got a wound to her abdomen and she is stone cold dead. That is end of episode three. Yeah. Lots to take in. Loads to take in. Um, Sophie, I did a quick Google there. Go on then. Um, so she's played by an actress called Shireen Martin. Gorgeous name. Um, I don't. I've had a quick look through what she's been in. I I don't know her from any of these. But wait till you hear her CV. Oh. All the iconic shows: Holby, yeah. The Bill, EastEnders, and Doctors. And there's loads more as well. If I was in Holby, The Bill, EastEnders, and Doctors, I'd been in Vera happy. as well. I've never. I haven't seen that. Brandon Vera's right up our right street. up our street. Inspector Lewis. Yeah. God, she's a great life. But yeah, I really like her. The same. Yeah. I really like her too. Mm. And she's going to crack this. So she has the laughing thing. Yeah. And the blood thing. Yeah. They're two huge clues. 
between her and Quigley. Although I was a bit disappointed in Quigley now. W- yeah. How fast he shredded that note. Mm. But I think he's just so, he wants to impress Rob or was so he much. testing to see his reaction or something? Yep. Is Quigley, yep, is Quigley playing dumb? You think a lot of him, don't you? I think Quigley could, I'm telling you, I think Quigley could be the underdog in cracking the case. He's got that note photocopied and Rob's down there like a tick. Yeah. Like taping it back together. <laughs> taping it back together. Oh, Quigley has them all stored. Um, so yeah, thoughts. I found that episode episode three quite confusing when I was watching it. That's funny because I, I, I found like, four more confusing than did three. You? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm about to make bits of this recap, but um, I feel I feel like the net is still really wide, and that I'm suspecting everyone of everything. And I kind of like that though. Oh, I'm like, just bring it in a little bit. Do you think so? Like, I love that we're still at a point where we're like getting to talk about this and solve it, and it's not served up to us. Like, yeah, oh, so obvious. Do you yeah, know no, I, mean? I love that it's not served up, but I'm very confused. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit more confused than I'd like to be. Are you? Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, and a, I'm at a happy level of confusion. I think s- since episode four, I'm a little bit happier. It's a, it's kind of hard to differentiate between the episodes, isn't it? Like when I you're kept saying last week and I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I'm talking about two, one or two. Yeah. I can't remember how long we've had this piece of information or whatever. Um. Okay, I'm really looking forward to your own, Brendan, because once again... This was on 25 to 11. Oh, 20 to 11 last night. 20 to 11. Oh, yeah. Get, shove it, shove it, even oh, five minutes the, later. Oh, the Northern Irish news for 15 minutes last night. I could tell you everything going on up there. There's great stuff going on up there. Don't get me wrong. Didn't need to hear it last night. But there you go. Shout I out it was to Donna Trainer. Yes. Um. Yeah, 20 to 11. It's holy. Mm. So I need this. Okay. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. So episode four of Dublin Murders, it opens with a car crash in the McGillicuddy Reeks. Oh, I haven't heard that name. It's geography. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, I was like, is that a real place? Like- <laughs> it will forever remind me of Miss Mangan. Oh She's my like, god, on. we had a Miss King, yeah. and she was once nearly shot at in Kenya. <laughs> is the are they a full? She oh, brilliant. Sorry, sorry what? My geography teacher had brilliant, brilliant stories, and Got I love shot geography. at in Kenya. Yeah, or somewhere in Africa. They're not all the same countries. Don't get me wrong, but she was so she had been to so many places, and we used to go into class, and I'd be sitting there with one of the girls, and we'd be like, "Well, we try and get a story out of her today, you know." And you didn't want to do any work, and we'd be like, "Miss, tell us a story about one of your travels, one of your adventures." She had the best stories, and she'd be like, "No, girls, today we're doing work. This is sixth year. You've got the leaving cert in two months," and we'd be like, "Oh, Miss, go on." She's like, "Fine." I was once shot at in Kenya. We're like, "Oh, tell us more." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, she's a brilliant teacher. Arthur McGillicuddy Reeks Fold Mountains. Um, I can't remember. That's, that's just where the memories come in the from. Bell, you know when you do junior search geography and they're like fold mountains. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah. I a geography teacher was American, so that's what happened there. <laughs> but <laughs> the memory is like McGilly Cody Reeks, Fold Mountains, Geography, let's go. I remember oh, I the stalactites and the stalagmites. Yeah, hold on. The tides go down and the mites go up. Yeah. Yeah. Holding on tight. Anyway, we're in the McGillicuddy Reeks. It's 1983 and it opens with a car crash. A little girl gets out and cries after her mom and dad, who we assume have been killed in the car. Um, A young Lexi walks up to a young Cassie and says, they're dead, but you've got me really coldly. And I just put an asterisk beside that. Um, She kind of appears out of nowhere wearing identical clothes. They're both in like yellow raincoats. Who is she and where did she come from? Very Stephen King. Yeah. Um, fast forward to 2003 and Cassie in full guard the uniform for the first time, which we've never seen her in before. Uh, she visits Frank in some sort of a hideout. Frank tells Cassie that she needs to go undercover to find pretty boy Vincent Johnston. Um, he's into drugs, guns, launders money, all that kind of sexy stuff. Um, Frank doesn't exactly appear legit in the way that he carries himself, though. It's like Frank is my favourite character. Yeah. Like, what are you at? You, you're, are you running your own undercover operation? Don't know or, why yeah, I don't feel like he's really he, there's a very thin I'd say there's a very thin line between him and breaking the law and being a yeah. board. you know what I mean absolutely his office slash home in an <laughs> abandoned warehouse yeah yeah so Cassie tells Frank that she wants to work on murder he says that if she gets this job done with Johnston and manages to stay alive that he'll help her get a job on murder um, she says her undercover alias will be Alexandra but says she calls herself Lexi she answered this far too quickly had a backstory ready to go um, uh, to the present day and we're back up in the old ruin in the forest where Lexi's body's been found uh, the student card identifies her as Alexandra Mangan um, Obviously, she looks identical to Cassie because they're played by the same actress. Um, (laughs) Cassie says um, that she doesn't have a twin. She's like, it's just me. It's only me. Uh, Forensics say Lexi was killed by a single stab wound to the heart. Uh, Now, remember, Cassie has a scar near her heart from where she was stabbed before. She showed Frank in the kitchen. She survived. Obviously. Um, Frank says Johnston called this in from prison. Um, he then asks Cassie to leave when the paramedics arrive so as not to confuse them. Sends Sam, the boyfriend, off with her to look after her. Rob phones Cassie from her flat. She tells him about the new body and she too thinks the death is to do with Johnston. Uh, thinks whoever did it meant to kill her and not this woman who looks like her twin that she made up. Um she says that um, the, the dead woman yeah she what? says the dead woman's got Lexi's name and looks just like me tells Rob not to come up to the ruins but to go and chase down Cahill Mills at this point Sam tries to console Cassie but she pushes him away 
Uh, Frank asks Sam to go and question the students who knew Lexi to find out who killed her. Whoever Lexi was, she stole Cassie's undercover ID. Lexi was a student in Trinity. Frank tells Sam to lie to the other students and say that Lexi is still alive. So the woman who's dead in the ruins is not related to Cassie. She's not her twin. She's some completely random woman, we're led to believe, who has managed to rob an an undercover ID of a guard. I cannot wait to read the book. Like? To see how someone made sense of this. It's Rebecca's speech. Oh, sorry, actually, I don't. I still I have nothing to bring. I'm still trying also, to get Also, why are the yeah. students in Trinity all 35? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and living in the middle of absolute nowhere, you're miles away from Trinity up there. Yeah. I've... I can't get my head around it. I'm it's like, dreamlike. do they want us to think that she is her twin and that she just didn't know she had a twin and that she was instinctively thinking she had a twin her whole life, you know, and make, making her up and really she existed? I just have so many questions and we will get Can to we some please of the talk about that afterwards? I yeah. need to talk. Yeah, I'm just so confused about that situation. Um, so Frank then makes a comment to Sam about his big swinging dick, and Sam says, "What if I don't want to do what I'm told? What if I don't give a fuck about your big swinging dick?" Um, he goes on his merry way uh, with a little encouragement from Cassie who just tells Sam like to move on Rob calls to uh, Cahill Mill's office bursts into a board meeting room full of people and uh, says that he needs to ask him some questions about Katie's murder in front of the room full of people Rob's uh, unraveling yeah Cahill says that uh, he has a flat in Berlin and explains that like why he flew there with just like a small weekend bag he's like oh, I've, I've got a flat there I've got stuff there that's why uh, Rob says you flew off very soon after Katie's death and then questions uh, why he didn't send his sympathies to her family seeing as though Cahill knew Jonathan Devlin um, Cahill says he didn't know Katie but he knew her mother, Margaret. Rob says it's Margaret's testimony alone that puts him at the cinema the night that Jamie and Peter went missing in 1985. Yeah, that saved them. <laughs> and hi, it's me, Adam. Um, Cahill says he used to be friends with Jonathan Devlin, but claims they haven't fallen out. They're just, you know, not close anymore. Rob asks Cahill where he would find Shane. And I have here is Shane Paintman. So I think... Has to be. He's the last person left. Yeah. It is, definitely. Um... Then Rob implies that Cahill keeps fit and might have a tracksuit. French blue? He just he looks in the corner, he's like, oh, you've got a, a tracksuit there. Um, and then asks him, it's just rest straight in, have you got porn on your laptop? And Cahill's like, well, yeah, of course I do. Like, you know, um, I think his words were a crack one out at the end of a busy day. Gorge. And yeah, yeah and lovely. says mm. that he's like, yeah, just, <laughs> Rob says, what kind of stuff? And he's like, you know, just normal stuff. And then when Rob pushes him on it, uh, Cahill says, big... <laughs> Big shaved dykes fisting arrogant Brits until they scream. And Rob's like, oh, that's niche. <laughs> it's red as horrified. This episode has me shook. This episode was it's proper weird. Yeah. Yeah. And Rob, the way he's Rob, the way Rob asks him about the porn is so But he knows because he stood on front of your man's face when he was leering over Jamie, who had to have been six years younger than him. Mm. Yeah, and then that word comes up now. He uses the word. That, I that, I have which, a different thought about that, which we'll come to at the end. Oh, yeah, okay. Because I am, I'm, I'm struggling. You have a different. I know. Come here. Where people not recognizing Rob. Um, I am. So then Cahill then throws Rob out of his office when Rob suggests that he's into child porn. He says jailbait, the exact line yeah. that he used in the woods in 1985. Yeah. He and says it's a trick around. Like, I'm like, you're playing exactly, with fire, but pal. I'm like, how is he not going to look at him and go? Oh yeah, I know you said jailbait because I'm Adam. 
Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You're the yeah. image of him. Oh, we know he went to England. You have a weird English accent. No offense. Let's be honest. Do you know it's what I mean? Very it close to the yeah. ages line up. Um, I have. A, I've got it. Definitely got his name wrong. I've, I've Fenton written down. <laughs> Rev's favorite guard. What's his name? Fenton. 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 Doctor Feeling. Doctor Feeling. It's fe- just guard the feeling. Feeling. feeling like feeling great. Feeling Fenton, your cheekbones. Jesus Christ, Fenton the dog. <laughs> um, so uh, feeling. Uh, Rob has feeling. Um, just keep a watch on Cahill. Uh Frank and Cassie head to prison to visit Johnston, but Cassie says when they get there, they pull up outside. She's like, I want to see him on my own. Johnston is a menacing presence to say the least, sitting in a single chair, cuffed to the small desk. He asks Cassie if she's come to gloat. And then he says, you know what the worst thing is? I actually liked you. I really liked you, you sly little bitch. Obviously, Johnson has burned the back in 2003 when Cassie befriended him. She was undercover and landed him in jail. Um, mm-hmm. I get the vibe, though, that she was really into him, though, as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, Cassie says nothing, gets up, walks out, goes back to Frank and straight away, straight away says to Frank, Johnson has nothing to do with murdering the woman who's up in the ruin who is identical to me but not my twin um, Damien the fellow who was only sweating to take part in an ID parade <laughs> oh Damien take da- a break da- 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 chill <laughs> take out. a day off but you know what Damien could be another one I'd put in the, crack the category of going to crack the whole <laughs> yeah. thing um, Damien's got info so he was dying to take part in an ID parade, but says he can't pick the French blue tracksuit man out of the faces that he's been shown. We'd be dying to take part in it. Could you imagine? Even my phone the got suggestion robbed. of being asked <laughs> to take Wait, part in it. Can I tell the story? I'm sure I can. So my phone got robbed out of my hand in town like years ago. And the guards, <laughs> a guy on a bike, basically. It's quite scary. A guy on a bike cycled past, took my phone out of my hand, right? And the guards were like, can you come into the station to look at a few photos? And I was like, can I what? I was watching How to Get Away with Murder at the time and I was obsessed. So good. <laughs> Sitting in like a little interview suite. And is there anything else you need, guards? Yeah, they were like, we'll be in touch. They never called. Guys, I saw witness to crime in town before I won't get into any details I was invited to give a statement to one of my friends in Pier Street and I was driven home by a Garda <laughs> were you? yeah gave a full statement driven home in a Garda car I had to give a full statement the best before, thing that ever happened. and I was under <laughs> 18 um, so I brought my sister along with me um, because my parents were away and we've never actually told them that I had to go to the guards and give them a statement so they're going to find out now. Um, but it, it was something that I, I happened to be somewhere where something happened one night and um, yeah, it was Valentine's Day and like after my interview, the guard was like to my sister, oh, like it's Valentine's no. Day, what are you doing tonight? Stop and I was it. like, I have to leave. But was the guard hot? Um, I mean, did he go out with her? What did no. your sister do? My sister was just like, Rebecca, like, let's just go home. I meant to be minding you for the week. <laughs> I'll tell you one more quick story, then fine. Go on. There was a hit and run outside um, the house I was staying in the Gale Hawks, very knocked and re. And the ban on tea called the guards. Now it was kind of like, no one was like terribly injured. It was like someone was knocked off their bike. Oh, like right, it was okay. awful. It was yeah. a bit awful, but no one was like run over and. And all of us 14-year-olds uh, in the house had to give statements to the Nyardi, but my mum had to be rang, and then she had to give permission over the phone, and then we all gave statements. Well, we were the talk of the Gale Talk then the next day. The drama. The Trying to tell everyone else, Gale, go, what was going on? <laughs> we wouldn't <Yeah>. get caught. <laughs> and put into detention. A line of duty interrogation. Also screaming at your use of the Nyardi. You lads who are Garda Shikana. Say it again, please. Garda Shikana. You should be on TG Gahar. Okay, um, so... <laughs> 
Damien can't pick out the French blue tracksuit man from all the faces that uh, Quigley's been showing him. Rob tells Quigley to give Damien a break and then show him a photo of Cahill. He's like sweating to know. Um, Rob tells O'Kelly that Cahill liked uh, the Cahill liked underage girls and maybe it wasn't Jonathan Devlin after all. Do we think it was? I think Cahill did like underage girls, yeah. But we've been shown that he does. Yeah. Did we not think that Jonathan Devlin liked underage girls? Did we? No, oh. we think he could. There's some sort of abuse going on okay. in the house. I think. Well, I uh, so it's I always been weird Cahill. at the bottom of the there, stairs. There's an abuse. Episode. There's some sort of situation going yeah. on there. We don't know if it's sexual or not. Yeah. Right. Uh, Rob also tells O'Kelly that the newly murdered woman had been using Cassie's undercover identity. Um, Post mortem on Lexi. Uh, the wound, similar to the one that Cassie got, but survived. Cassie survived because the blade snagged on her ribs, which sounds so painful. Um, I just thought of something there. Can I just yeah, go real quick? Frank wasn't surprised by Cassie's twin. No, he wasn't. Sam was having a meltdown. Yeah, Frank wasn't. Wasn't. How did she get her hands on an undercover ID? Because he knew about her. Yeah. He found her. Also, did you notice in her postmortem that there's a tattoo on her wrist that's a circle? No. No. Sorry, this is another thing you've noticed. Yeah, I I think I just like like you know kind of tattoos that have like a nice outline. No, you know, you're picking up on things. But the I belt. saw a tattoo on her thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll put so, that down in our clues. Yeah. So the pathologist says um, with dead Lexi that there's no criminal record, no medical history, fingerprints come up with nothing. Um, O'Kelly bursts in mid post mortem results and has a scrap with Frank over the dead body about how she could possibly steal Cassie's undercover student identity. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Thank you. At one point, O'Kelly is shouting so loud <laughs> that Frank says, Going a bit red in the face there, Brian. Careful you don't have a stroke. <laughs> And in his best Bishop Brennan, O'Kelly goes, don't you, Brian, me, you little arsehole. <laughs> Frank done this. Frank yeah. found her. Yeah. Um, the, patho- the pathologist jumps in to split them up uh, with the shocking news that Lexi was three months pregnant. We are going to know who that baby daddy is. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. But it's obviously someone we know. Yeah, definitely. Um... So now we have a flashback back to um, 1983, kind of after the car crash where Cassie's parents died. And it's like a, obviously a young Cassie. And who I'm going to say is her aunt. Yeah, I'm presuming it's the Presuming aunt. it's her aunt. And the aunt has the priest call over to the house, sends Cassie up to her room. And Lexi, and I have in here brackets, who I now think is imaginary, um, rips wallpaper off the wall and the curtains off the rail while Cassie stands there and looks shocked but impressed by her actions. Back to the present day, Cassie takes a pregnancy test. She's not pregnant. Puts it in the kitchen bin where it's definitely going to be found later on. Yes, Frank's going to find it when he's snooping around her apartment. But also to feel that, that's what makes me think that she always knew she had a twin because she feels like they're connected and she's checking if she's pregnant. Yeah. Or she's confused. That was weird. Did I did I make her up? Am I her? Yeah, like to. She's as confused as we are. Do you know the way twins (laughs) feel each other? You know, they they say that twins, some twins, can telepathically communicate with each other, and sometimes people are like, "I knew something was wrong with my twin because I got this terrible feeling in the middle of the night." Obsessed with stories like that. Yeah, I just feel like there's definitely some sort of connection that she probably has always felt. We'll get to some more of that. Well, she did. I think at that point she was like. Like so, she was speaking to someone called Lexi that she thought to be real as a child. That's a fact. Yeah. She grew up and then was like, "That was an imaginary friend." Yeah. But now her identical twin, Lexi, is here and pregnant. So she's like, "I thought at that moment when she's taking the pregnancy test, she's like, maybe I never imagined her at all. Maybe she was real the whole time. It was hidden from me." Mm. 
I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. So pregnancy test in the bin. Frank rings the doorbell and asks Cassie to pretend to be Lexi, who is very much dead. Uh, he wants her housemates to come and see her in hospital. So Cassie gets hooked up to life support, pretending to be the nearly dead woman who is actually dead, who stole her undercover identity. Now, guys, that's when Are I've you gone still full with bonkers. me? Like it's half eleven. I'm like I'm in a dream state. Yeah, this is like days of our lives. It's gone mad. <laughs> yeah, it is. But like in a great way. Like I'm loving it because I know that it's going to tie up nicely. But at, th- at this point now in the hospital yeah. Lexi fake Lexi in the bed and how does Frank even think of that like Frank is mad how did he even Frank is the puppet away? master and yeah. a 35 year old Trinity students bawling crying no so Frank is watching Lexi's college mates like a hawk for any clues of who killed her ask them to help him find her family they say they don't know her family that they never pushed her for details as she found it distressing they tell her uh, they tell Frank that they're her family the students leave and Cassie makes a miraculous recovery. Um, Frank tells Cassie that he thinks Lexi should make more of a recovery and tells her to go live as Lexi with her fellow students. Frank then lets slip that he's really been watching Cassie closely, says Sam is a fool for not seeing that Rob is her weak point. So at this point, she's fucking... Is there no concern for her mental health? She has just found out she has a twin. The twin's dead. The twin was pregnant. Now you're going to go and live her life. Go and pretend to be your dead twin, yeah. Who was using your ID that you created based off your own imaginary childhood twin. And there seems to be no regard for her mental state whatsoever. And also so weird that Frank says that all of the students own that house. So Lexi owns a fifth of that house. Yeah. I thought that was so weird. Um, Frank then tells Cassie that she's only happy pretending when she's somebody else. So suitably upset, Cassie tells Frank she's cooking Sam dinner tonight and is then going to throw him on the bed. Tells Frank to enjoy his microwave burger and lonely wank. (laughs) I like that. Rob turns up at the ballet school looking for Simone the teacher. Rosalind and Jess are sitting on the steps outside. Rosalind upset that Katie never told her she was being followed by the man in the French blue tracksuit who wanted to show her his kittens. Asks why Rob is in Ireland. Um, he says that his dad was from Donegal but died. Kind of just gives a very brief answer and then and then moves on. Jonathan Devlin turns up to bring his daughters home from the ballet school, tells Rob that it's not appropriate for him to talk to his daughters without his permission. Rob then shows Jonathan a photo of Cahill and asks him if he'd like to amend any of his statements from 1985. Uh, he doesn't. He gets in the car leaves. You're one with the hoopy earrings from episode one whose fella murdered the man in the Couldn't garage. Yeah. Oh her name is Alana and I only know it from later on, right? That, this was horrific. Yeah. So Jesus, she gets it was? Yeah. What's she that? gets jumped in the street by two girls with a pair of scissors. On Talbot Street. On Talbot Street, yeah, outside the spar. Shout out spar. Um back at the Devlin house and Jonathan tells Rosalind to pack for a family trip. Says he doesn't know if they're ever coming back. She flips at her dad for having to look after Jess and her mother and asks him who he's been having sneaky phone calls with. He roars at her to do as she's told. Because he, he's sending them off without him. Yeah. That's why she flips because okay. she's like I have to look I have after to look Jeff after and Mummy yeah. on my own. <sighs> Which is Who was he on the phone to? The ballet teacher? Cahill? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was ringing Cahill to arrange their meetup. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I um, thought so too. Rob again asks Quigley to show Damien the photo of Cahill says to scrape his hair back in the photo this time. I don't know. Um... Flashback to the forest in 1985. Adam is watching one of the older guys and we hear the words jailbait and pervert being whispered. Now, yeah. could, could I give you maybe a, a half-baked theory here? Yes. I think... Living first. Instead 
of it being was was it Jamie that we're assuming they they might have like interfered with potentially yeah well he fancied I think it was Adam yeah I think it was Adam well at the end of this episode yeah I think that would explain why you saw him mouth Shane mouths to Rob go now yeah as in I think they were looking I think they were looking at Adam not Jamie but he looks at Adam and goes, "Go now," as in, "Get out of here. He's after you." Yeah, or you need to get so. out of here. He's gonna, he's gonna do something to your Ooh. underage friend. It's horrific. But Shane, yeah, and Shane's the one who's having the most trouble with what happened in 1985. Yeah. If we're Shane is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. This has messed up his entire life. Yeah, for some reason because he probably Guilt. couldn't stop it. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I Guilt. knew what was happening and I couldn't stop it. So Jonathan Devlin, don't know what's going on there. He's messed up his whole family's life. Shane, his life's in tatters. Cahill doesn't seem to have Sociopath. been affected by yeah. this. Whatever. Sociopath. No empathy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, back in Cassie's gaff, she's glugging the red wine while making dinner for Sam. Sam's asking a lot of questions about Lexi, and he's like, she has to be a real woman. Um, Cassie's super tetchy says that she made Lexi up and she's like and now here she is Sam says Cassie didn't make her up she then says to Sam that he's a very busy family calendar with birthdays etc he says his mother reminds him of all the occasions she then very weirdly goes what you do when your mother dies and he looks really stunned he's like what where did that come from I, well that's how we feel yeah like what? I think it's because she never had any family so she's like yeah. oh look at you like in a jealous way oh look at you all your family events your mum does all that I've no family yeah yeah they were doing that really horrible thing where when you're like in a relationship you can say the like the most horrible fights like say the meanest things you'd never say to anyone else yeah even if you love someone um, back in hospital Alana the one with the hoops um, says that Keen's family attacked her because she grasped on him so Keen's her boyfriend who murdered the guy uh, in the garage um, he's gone to prison for the garage murder they've cut like she looks a horrendous god lover they've cut all of her hair off with the scissors they've beaten the shit out of her but then somebody says but the baby's okay so she's pregnant we knew yeah, she was pregnant yeah. Okay, yeah. big huge bump yeah <laughs> big huge bump missed that um <laughs> Alana demands that Cassie protects her or she'll tell how you let Detective Riley say I was lower than shit so I'd grass. Tells Cassie that she won't trust her until she puts her in emergency accommodation. Um, Sam is pissed off that Cassie let Rob talk to Alana like that in in the first episode um, in the interview room to force her to confess. Cassie argues that it meant that they found out who killed the garage guy. Sam storms off, tells Cassie she can go and get a cab instead. Cassie follows him over to his car to tell him that she used to fuck Johnson, in her words, when she was undercover. Um, that's how she knows... Johnson is the guy Is the guy who's in prison. She, yeah, yeah, so yeah. at the start of this episode, Frank asks her yes, to go undercover to get this guy. Yeah, so he's in prison. And in the very first episode, was not the court case, and Frank was l- like lurking at the very top, and it was Johnson in court. So oh, is it? Was. Yeah. I think okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's it, it was just showing yeah. that's how they met her and sure. how they knew each other. Um... So she says, yeah, you really get to know a man when he's inside you. Quite enjoyed it, if I'm honest. Anyway, sleep tight. So she really tried to hurt him, yeah. She's pushing him away, I think, because she just knows that the Lexi thing is is all... And he was about to say, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. She's just on a mad one. We have another flashback to um, who I'm assuming is Cassie's aunt. Looking at the state of the now trashed bedroom, um, child Cassie just turns to her and says, Lexi did it. Um, Has anyone seen Split with James Mangold? Yes. Such a good movie. This made me think of that. That wasn't me. That was Patricia. Patricia. <laughs> Such a good movie. Um, back in hospital with Alana, 
Cassie tells Rob that uh, she's had such a shit day. She tells Rob that she told Sam about her and Johnson, says she was angry and wanted to shock him, and she just keeps repeating, today's been really shit, it's been a really shit day, a really shit day, a really shit day. Feeling with the cheekbones interrupts by phoning Rob to tell him uh, that Cahill's on the move, it's night time, and he is driving to Knocknaree. Uh, Jonathan Devlin, already up there, standing in front of a car that looks like it's crashed, or maybe the door was just open. It looks like the side of the car is yeah, gone. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I'm like, hmm, what was... What, I think what the door was there? just open, but it was. Maybe, yeah. Um, Jonathan Cahill have a standoff in the middle of the road. Jonathan flips and keeps roaring at Cahill that his daughter was killed, and then he gives gives him a punch and calls like you broke me fucking nose um, I hate Carl with every fibre of my being and then Jonathan keeps saying that my daughter was killed my daughter was killed my daughter was killed and then Carl goes it was Shane did I hear that wrong oh I completely missed that I, I don't think I could wrong I've watched this episode twice I could have heard it wrong no, oh, I don't I think he that. did. I'm sure it was just kind of one of those moments that it was like, mo- like probably muttered or like you know he 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 was also on but the I, ground after being punched. And so. if that if if I did hear it correctly, I don't I didn't believe him. It's no. like Carl blaming Shane. Carl hates Shane. Yeah, he thinks he's a drug addict scumbag. Well, he thinks he's the one most likely to crack. Crack. He was the weak link in this case. Yeah, in the that's case. what is that why he's yeah. worried. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jonathan asked Carl if he thought they were going to be able to live normal lives without there being a reckoning. <laughs> There's that word again. Oh my again. god, that was harmonised, guys. Guys. Um, Carl says he managed to get out of this place and won't let Shane or anyone else drag him back. Now, Rob and Cassie are in a ditch listening to the whole thing. <laughs> really, really close. Um, the way the kids used to listen. To the way the kids, yeah. the way, yeah. Jonathan definitely looks right at them. Okay, I'm watching this as soon as I get home again because I missed De- that. So, so Jonathan and Carl finish their exchange. No. Carl fucks off. The camera cuts to Rob and Cassie in the ditch watching and Jonathan Devlin turns and looks at them. Oh, so God. did So he knows they were there, I think. Maybe Rob asked Jonathan to meet up with Cahill. Like he knew yeah. that they were there? I I wonder. But um, I he, think that Jonathan knew they were there. Okay. And that I feel like he was kind of working on their behalf or something, trying to get that's, something out of... Okay, I haven't noticed that, but I think... He's working on their behalf. Mm. I completely missed it. Totally like a tit. And again, sandwich. I may be making all of that up. Um, back in the car, uh, they're heading back down from uh, Knocknery. Rob and Cassie are in the car. Um, Rob says that they now have to find Shane, who we think is Paint Man, to find out what happened to Jamie and Peter. And he says, hopefully, Katie. Driving down the dark road, there's a thump off the car. Cassie asks Rob what it was. Rob stops and get out, gets out of the car, leaving Cassie sitting in the passenger seat. This scene I found so freaky. Mm. It just stayed too quiet for too long. And if it was line of duty, they definitely would have shoehorned another ambush in there. Just, you know, cause, oh, yeah. like it felt like it was going to be an ambush scene. Definitely. <laughs> what is the scene you always say, Brandon, when you're like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Episode, uh, season season five, episode three. An ambush. An ambush. <laughs> <laughs> Happened to us in a restaurant recently. We were ambushed. <laughs> <laughs> Flashback to Cassie in the car with her parents the night of the crash. They're having a family sing along to hit me with your rhythm stick. When they do indeed hit a deer standing no, in the middle of the road. The fucking that deer. The thing. CGI. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> was it a bit gammy? Just the way you see her reflection in the deer's eye. It was, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so here we see more of the crash than we did at the start of the episode and again see Cassie meeting Lexi for the first time. I felt like there was a simil- similarity to the way that Lexi coldly says they're dead and how Jess said 
Katie is dead yeah. in oh, the first yeah. episode. Yeah. So it was a very similar. So it's twins and de- and just and the death. way it's delivered. Yeah. Um, fetches. Back to the present day and it was a fox that Rob hit on the road. Um, oh. He lies to Cassie though and says, oh, it was nothing. I don't know what it was. I can't see anything. Um, it's all a bit much for Cassie and she bursts into tears. She's had a day of it. Then, he knows how her parents died as well. So that's why he yeah, really he's like, I'm just not trying to bring it all back to yeah. her. Yeah. Then Cassie and Rob kiss. I seem to be the only one shocked by this. No, I was like, let's go. Oh, I wasn't shocked go. after what Frank said. He was like, how does yeah. your man not see that I, he's your weak point and blah, blah, blah. I missed him saying that on my first watch. I only caught that the second time. I went, so that's oh, why I was shocked. hang yeah. on. Frank fucking knows everything. Frank knows everything. So Rob and Cassie kiss. Then they stop for a second and they're a bit like, oh, should we? And then they go at it more. It's on. Beside the dead fox. Um, the next scene is the next morning. Rob gets out of Cassie's bed and gets dressed. A mini flashback kind of scenes then of like stuff we've already seen, but now we look at with different eyes shows Rob clearly in love with Cassie, but terrified. I thought that was so cute. Yeah. yeah. So like the looks he gives her, like when they had the sandwiches with the red and the brown sauce and then in the cafe when his mom leaves. He yeah. came over after the neck thing. Yeah. Um, Cassie arrives into work. Quigley says that Damien has shied off today and won't be into ID anyone. Uh, <laughs> it's like Damien's been For in every like, day of the bloody week. Damien is like <laughs> another <laughs> staff member. <laughs> he's a brilliant character. <laughs> yeah, he is, but oh. he's like he's dying to help so much, but he hasn't. Do you know what? He's dying to help so much, hasn't helped yet. Yeah, but just he's you remember involved. when he started crying when he was trying to ID all the suspects? Like I know it's awful what some of those people have done, but he just started crying. Guys, like, guys, Damien, Quigley, and Frank—they have this. Yeah, and yeah. Sophie. Yeah, yeah, love Sophie. They have it. Um, Quigley's listened to more of those voicemails that have been left on the Garda line. Here's one from Jamie's mother, I think. Um, Alicia. Alicia, thank you. Um, Asking them to find Adam and ask Adam what happened in the woods. We heard her recording that in episode three. Back down to the archives. Rob tells Cassie that them sleeping together was nothing. Uh, Quite cruelly tells her that crying girls make me hard. That's it. That's all. Guys, that was Stone Cold Steve I felt like that was Austin. being said to me then tells her I was her, raging and sorry can we just yeah. say that, that the reason he said that is because she kind of went down and just touched him on she the arm show, yeah. if they hadn't even rode each other that we wouldn't have thought twice about that touch yeah. and he nearly jumped out of his own skin and then comes back at her with that like the the cruelest thing you could ever say yeah. to someone let alone your mate he did what she did to uh, O'Neill the day before basically back. Ba- and it's why they're meant to be together because they literally are the same person um, if that wasn't like cruel enough Rob then turns around to Cassie and says if it makes you feel any better you can tell yourself Lexi did it she then slaps him around and says fuck you oh and she oh. Sm- and she goes for it I I wanted to slap him around yeah for same um, another flashback to the wallpaper pulled off the walls in Cassie's child bedroom the aunt screaming there is no Lexi there's just you Cassie says I know I know I know episode finishes with Cassie calling to Frank who still hides out in the same place since 2003 and tells him that she uh, is totally on for pretending to be Lexi again so sorry for a second there's a that timeline when she first went undercover and we saw her in a guard uniform is 2003 2003 so we've 1985 1983 was the car crash where her parents were killed. Yeah. 1985 was the, was the missing. The yeah. 2003, 2003. Garda. Yeah. Cassie. Yeah. And then 2006 is the current right. day. Okay. So. I don't know what to believe. What have you taken away from? What, what was your. 
I mean, guys, it was a serious two episodes. Like, now it feels like it's nothing to do with Katie's murder at all. Now it's all about, is Lexi real? Who is Lexi before she was Lexi? And it's all that storyline now. I do think... I do I do think that I'm onto something with Adam being the one that the older teenagers were after. I think you're onto something as well. And, yeah. you said it and it too, would right? explain... It would explain him not wanting... Do you remember with the housemate with the toe separators? Yeah. And she was just like... He was like, yeah, this is just sex, basically. Mm-hmm. He can't... It doesn't want to emotionally connect with anyone. But I think he's really in love with Cassie, but is terrified. She's the only one who knows the real him. Also, and when did Cassie and Rob first meet? Where did she come into his life? That is something that we haven't touched on yet. Like, I think we're meant to presume that when she got moved to murder, that he was already on the squad. I don't think so. Also, and again, may have misheard it. When Rob's... So they were in the cafe. Rob, his mother and Cassie. Yeah. Cassie walked Rob's mother out of the car and came back in. When she sat back down, did she say something to him along the lines of... Your mum. No. Along the lines of we were the only two to to get out alive. alive. Yeah, she did say that. But but is that to deal with that in her situation, she got out alive in the car crash and his situation, he got out alive out of the woods? It could be that. But I do think that they met before and there's way more to their relationship. Cassie walks um, Adam's slash Rob's mum out of the car park, right? No reason for this scene that we know of yet. But I think it's a clue. Um... The mum, I can't remember her name, turns to Cassie and said, you're a really good liar. And then Cassie comes back in, sits down in front of Rob and goes, your mum just said I was a really good liar. And they're both like... <laughs> I thought she said he was a terrible liar. Hold on, no, I have it written down here. There's something like that, but didn't she say something oh, like, oh, I make Adam you're so such angry. a bad liar. And Cassie goes, no, you don't make him angry or you don't annoy him. That's what it was. And then she goes to Rob, your mum's after saying I'm a bad liar. <laughs> and it could just be like, oh, well, I went undercover and cracked this unreal case and I have a, like, a body double. But the way they laughed about it and the way they showed that scene, I was yeah. like, there's something mm-hmm. in that. Something dodgy. Um, okay, so I have a couple of thoughts and theories that I've gathered from the internet, emails we got in and just my ramblings. Guys, this is literally a soliloquy, this living, whole situation. Living okay? for it. So yeah. thoughts or theories, number one. Who was Lexi, okay? So we know that Cassie had the imaginary friend um, and she used it to help her deal with the death of her parents um, obviously we know like that she's pregnant um, and that she looks so like Cassie that they could be twins that basically they are do we think who they're twins who is she pregnant with who is she pregnant with I don't know um, they're twins now Cassie we see in a preview for next week's episode that she's getting her hair cut like she's getting the bangs in she is she's gonna go Lexi. undercover she's gonna go live in that house with the other four students um, next week hopefully we're gonna find out who Lexi was before she was Lexi because how do you get your hands on somebody's ID who was undercover in like three years before I think Frank had to yeah. have given it to her he's, Absolutely. Yeah. he's a puppet master here and you made a really good point that he was the only one that wasn't surprised like he wasn't shocked he was nearly smirking it yeah. was so weird also we're, we'll find out if she was in fact killed in a case of mistaken identity or if Lexi herself had some dodgy dealings in her life I think the father of the child will tell us how long these two have been connected. As in, like, could the father of the child be Johnson, say? Like, they're literally riding the same person. She's three months pregnant. Like, could it be Sam? Could it be... Do you know what I mean? I think the father of the child is someone in Cassie's life. 
Yeah, that's a that's very uh, that's a that's a very big possibility. Um, also, who was in episode three? Lexi ringing when she was running around the ruins of the old farmhouse. Okay. Who was she ringing? Because she kept trying to call a phone and your she man's ring- phone kept ringing. Yeah. But then the detectives were also ringing a phone. Frank. Oh, so your man that was yeah. going up in the lift. Who, I was like, if you don't answer it, put it on fucking silent. But two people oh were ringing him at once, so it doesn't add up. Do you know what I mean? The detectives were ringing him and then Lexi, Lexi the, with the fringe was actually ringing someone as well at the same time. Yeah, unless we were meant to, unless that was the connection that they were trying to show us. Like, okay... The phone is ringing. It's him, and then his phone is still ringing, but it's her now on the other end of mm-hmm. it. Unless they yeah. were trying to well, they were in the car together, together when Fran walked they out. They know each other. Who's he as well? Who's Fran's character? Who is Fran? What's He's he doing in the, in the pub? Yeah. yeah. Um. Also, when she answered her, so when she was ringing someone in the ruins, she rang her phone. Rang then, and it was a, someone called Daniel, and she goes, "I'm coming home now." So she, there's Daniel, mm. is probably baby daddy. Glenn Skehy. Is where Fran, Glenn the pub was, yeah. where Lexi's ruins was, where the house of Trinity students is, Glen Skehy. The reason that Sam was sent there by Rob is because they were looking at where the motorway is going to come from and to. And Glen Skehy was the only part that the motorway was due to go through that didn't really make any he sense. He kept saying it. They were Sam like, kept what the it. fuck is up there? So Rob was like, I don't know what's up there. I don't know why they try and put the road through there. So can you just go up and see if anyone knows anything about the phone calls or tracksuit man? And do we think that the students that Lexi went to live with have more to do with yes, stuff? Absolutely. Did Anton, did they had the house party, I think. Did either of you guys they were read? all at, you know, this mysterious house party. I think it was in the student's house. Okay. Oh my God, that Dr. Hanley was at. Yeah, I think that the students, the house party, this is all really dodgy. But I do think that Lexi is with someone called Daniel and she rang him and told him she was coming home. And she never came home. When Lexi made that phone call. Her phone rang, yeah. That was in 2006 timeline. Yep. Right. Yeah, that was present day. Oh, she was up. Some so I she was, was up the mountains, and then someone got her before she got to go home and killed her. Ah, very weird. Okay, next theory: Is Dublin murders actually a supernatural drama? <sighs> okay, I'm not here for that. I know we touched on this last week, and myself and Hannah are mad into the mystical shit. But uh, a woman called Emmy Griffiths wrote an article for HelloMagazine.com, and she raises Hello. some excellent points. Hello. Um, so these are the points all pointing to the supernatural theme. Jamie's mom accuses Adam of being a changeling, which, according mm-hmm. to folklore, is a fairy child left in the place of a human child that was taken by fairies it's Angelina Jolie in that film isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. thank you uh, also Katie's sister Jessica is described as a fetch which in Irish folklore is a supernatural double stop trying to make stop trying time. to make you got there before me. You're my supernatural double person. We see that theme again, obviously, that Cassie has basically an identical twin that isn't her twin that we don't know is her twin. So no. that whole theme. That um, makes my brain If that hurt. turns out not to be your twin, Also, guys, remember what I was saying earlier about how twins can telepathically connect with each other sometimes. Yeah. It's like, Class. you know, it's always, it's always talked about. I don't it's know if it's true. Day. I'm not a twin, so I'm not sure. I noticed in the scene that when Cassie was in bed after O'Neill left her house in the middle of the night, after he po- said he pocket dialed her, she falls back asleep, but there's these snippets of the trees above. Yeah. And in that moment, I kept thinking when I rewatched it, oh my God, she's getting a vision of Lexi's Being last killed. moments. <gasps> Sorry. Did anyone notice that? Well, now I, that you've said it. Well, I said that she was having a nightmare. But it was I the presumed. exact trees. It was oh. like it was like she was almost sitting down. It's like she was having a vision of sitting down looking up and your one was found literally sitting down like that. 
So I I was like, oh my God, she's having some sort of vision. Like a premonition. Sort yeah, of. of what Lexi's final last sight moments were. They have to be twins then. Yeah, that's why I think they're twins. They're tw- I think they're twins. Um, I loved seeing the other side of Sam's phone call because what was clearly happening on the other side of that phone was he's on murder squad, he's called out to a murder, yeah. it's his fucking girlfriend, with, but with a full fringe and different clothes, who's got a little baby bump and he's like... Cassie and she's like yeah yeah I just woke up he's like yeah okay no, he's I'm like sorry my like, pocket like, oh, how weird must that have been the for fella him. was having an absolute meltdown he's the only one who reacted everyone else is like oh that's some girl and that's why I think that phone call was like it makes total sense and I love it it's so mysterious but it was put in there I think to counteract the complete non-reaction from Frank yeah. Why wasn't he ringing her? He, she's his prize gal. He knows about Lexi. He said it all. Yep. yep. Um, also, the whole situation with the wolf, with Rob and Adam, is like getting to me now. Why is that wolf in? What's going on with yes. that? One more thing on Frank and Lexi. I apologise. But when he went over to her apartment to say, your birth cert has been activated. Yeah. I have a Google search yeah. on you. He was looking at her eyes to go, your one's after your one is ac- your one's active, and I'm basically checking in with you to see if you know. If you know, it's like what um, Mycroft used to do with Sherlock. Yeah, with uh, the dog, basically. Yeah. That's what it is. But it's basically he's like, oh in. yeah, that was activated. I think he just goes, yeah, he's just checking. He's like, brilliant. I'm just, I actually haven't activated myself, so grand. You don't know about it. Exactly. Very good point. Um, the wolf situation. I looked this up Red online beard. as well. I went full detective psychic here, right? Um, it symbolizes guardianship, ritual, loyalty, and spirit. It's a symbol of strength and courage in mythology, as well as freedom and wisdom. And the wolf often appears uh, to guide your journey of self-discovery. Did you get that off your angel cards? I mean, I mean, I, I felt, love that you looked that up. I just because I, I kept being like, there's all these symbols. What are we missing with the wolf? So it's all self-discovery, right? It could be nothing to do with the guy. Which means he potentially doesn't remember what happened in the woods. Not that he's lying to us that he can't remember. Um, also, Adam's yellow t-shirt, guys. Yeah. Do you know the way the, the lady we love? Sophie. Sophie, yeah. So Sophie says that she's never seen a blade that has a... a a curve a left handed yeah. curve is that a claw is it a wolf's claw am I going mad but then how was there no blood on him how was he not he had no injury I don't know it's just so weird I just I Literally just kind of went came out of your mouth I'm like shit there's three big holes in yeah. the back I never it thought just it looks, looks like a claw I it, just don't get it is he is he associating a wolf with someone with some evil and he can't put a face to it so it's manifesting as an animal I don't know yeah good but point it, just, it looks like you know in Beauty and the Beast when yes. the beast drags his claw across yes. the picture of him when he used yes. to be the prince that's exactly it looks fake it's just the way he said it was curved your hand curves a claw curve and she made a point of saying yeah that I've never seen a blade like this in my 20 years or whatever yeah that's Brilliant. So weird. Also, uh, the evidence showed that Katie was carried into the woods after her death and implying that she would have been placed on the altar. So that's another kind of supernatural element. Um, We haven't actually thought about where she could have potentially been killed then, ballet school. Like, it's going to be somewhere that we know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The house party. Exactly, the the house party. Uh, According to Digital Spy, uh, Sarah Phelps revealed that she was inspired by a real-life story that she saw on Country File. Okay. Country file. On country file. 
So that's Jesus, maybe I should start watching Country <laughs> Files. I know, but we all should. So that show was filming in Northern Ireland, and in the particular episode, they interviewed a man who was protesting against a motorway, and he said that it would have. He was protesting because it would have meant that a hawthorn tree was going to be de- destroyed. Okay, so Phelps described the tree as magic and said that the man's argument had centered on the belief that if you cut down the tree, everything will be disrupted because you cannot upset the fates. Well, hawthorn trees are meant to be magic. So Sarah says what drew to the story was that he won because at some deep level, every person must have woken up and thought, oh my God, what if he's right? What if you cut down the tree and all hell breaks loose? Um, So that's that's interesting that uh, that makes me think that, do you know the way they keep being like, they were laughing at us, they were laughing at us. I'm like, are the trees alive? Are the trees laughing at them? Mm -hmm. Are the woods alive? Um, Have I lost the plot? And the book is called Into the Woods, isn't it? Into the woods so and it could go a bit supernatural. The likeness, which I'm is like, making trees, a lot of sense. Are now. the trees laughing? Like, are the trees alive? Can we look at that as a clue for a second? That that second book is called the likeness, the likeness not yeah. the twin. No, the likeness. Yeah, the yeah. likeness of two people. Although I'm on, I'm, I think they're or they the have likeness to be twins. of two situations. The first in the eighties and, and two thousand six. Yeah, absolutely. Did either of you guys read the book um, by Donna Tart? Um, the Secret History. No, no. Okay, this is reminding me so. She much wrote of this for some reason. She wrote Goldfinch. Goldfinch, yes. Um, but her other book, Secret History, is kind of about these students, really upper class, and they basically starve themselves and take a load of drugs and run naked through the woods to try and uh, see the secrets of the universe. And it just reminds me so much of that situation with those Trinity students in that house near the woods and the uh, Dr. Hanley and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, And I'd be something shocked now if Dr. Hanley doesn't know those students. Also, uh, Adam was found clutching a tree. Yes. Like, yeah. literally. I well, thought he was tied to it. I've told you about her. Her new book is called The Witch Elm. It's about a skull that's found a tree. She loves a fucking tree. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I wrote my last note there in that section was, are the trees alive? Okay. Something um, going on with the trees. Why was sure. Adam so cruel to Cassie? I know we touched on that earlier. Um, basically, his attitude was so bad that she's actually gone back into being an undercover guard. Yeah. So why was he like he, that? Did Adam, is Adam playing everyone? And did he, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. I thought that last week. I don't mm-hmm. think that anymore. I think that Adam actually was... There's something no, I think he's just—he's incapable of uh, feelings and love. When he shredded the note or demanded for Quigley to get rid of the note, I thought that's really suspicious, and he's covering up. Yeah. When he reacted to Cassie touching him, I thought it was more like a victim, maybe a PTSD. Yeah. Reaction that he doesn't seem to have control over or know about what entirely happened to him. Yeah, and at some so point, so I'm jumping between the two. Was it Sandra Scully, or there was somebody that he asked when he was asking about questions about um, Jamie and Peter? He also asked a question about himself that I feel like he didn't need to ask. He just did it. He was getting a bit of a kick out of it, definitely. Or he just doesn't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, to maybe. Him. Um, also, we got an email in from Tracy Howells. Oh, an email. Um, hey, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. Thank you for listening. She says, "I think the other." twin is in the coffin which is why Mammy got all confused and upset about the colour of the coffin lining she knows which twin is in the coffin already I'll be so damned so Tracy thinks the same that the twins have swapped yeah she she says like the mum knows who's in the yeah she's the mum knows that, that the line. other twin is in the coffin I'm not asleep yeah obsessed yeah. with it absolutely um, she knows she, let's put her in the group of people that are going to crack things who do you guys think killed Katie now do you have any more no now it's, I know it's taken a huge turn I think Rosalind or Jess 
Rosalind. I think Katie is still alive. Yes, is yeah. Jess. I think Katie, alive Katie, potentially killed her sister Jess. And yeah. I think someone who was involved in 1985 took advantage of it. I think it took advantage of placing the body in the woods, if you get me. Yeah. I don't think Katie's death had anything to do with what happened, but I think someone took advantage of the body. So people, maybe adults that would have known about the body, Simone. Yeah. Would you have gone and told Simone? You probably would. They're quite close. Sandra Scully, who seems to be on the road, she could have passed by and said, let me take this body and lay it out and make a point about what happened and unearth the whole case and get it reinvestigated. So true. Alicia. Who want, or it could be Shane. Or Alicia or Shane. Let me put no, this body back Shane. in the woods and get, let's remind the police that they need to find my... You know, let's take the advantage truth. of this death and connect it back to 1985 and let's try and get the case happening again. Well, then it's Rob doing it for some weird... Alicia. Yeah. She's the one that's running around trying to find Peter and Jamie yeah. still and no one has yeah. listened to her. No she doesn't guard the helplines. Did, yeah. she, did yeah. she put that... Bo- I just think the ki- the murder and the body placement are two separate coincidental yeah. things. Yeah, and that's actually so... Cause and she Alicia lives on the road with the Devlins. Does she? Mm. Yeah, that's Sandra so. Scully. She? Well, she does because she knocked over straight after yeah. the funeral procession, unless. And then don't forget, Mrs. Fitzgerald is there as well. Um, speaking of Need Alicia, more from her did any of you week. ever watch? Yeah, I know I missed her this week. Did any of you guys ever watch Glen Rowe? I actually never got into no. Glen Rowe. Me either, but um, I read this online entertainment.ie. Alicia is played by an actress called Eunice McMenamin, and she Amazing name. played Fidelma in Glen in Glen Rowe. Well, there oh. we are now. Yeah. And um, we got another email in, uh, and this is I. This is something that I never even thought of, or whatever even come into my mind. So this is an email that we got in from Wendy Rayner, and she says, "Hey gang, this occurred to me in the shower. I always have my best ideas there. I always, yeah, you do get good ideas when you're in the shower. Anyway, I do goes, all my thinking in the shower, all of it. Always. She goes, we seem to have been shown that Lexi is slash was Cassie's imaginary friend following her trauma. What if Peter and Jamie were also imaginary to Adam specifically or somehow the whole town? Question mark, question mark. Some sort of experiential gas or nerve agent too much like Sherlock? <laughs> I don't, I've never watched Sherlock, so I didn't get that, but I knew you two would. Um, she goes, I'm also thinking it's- that Katie is Jessica and they were never twins. Yeah. Baskerville episode yeah. she's talking about. Oh, okay. She goes, another. She goes, another figment of either Margaret or the town again. And then she goes, the thing with the pink and the blue, the dancing, the sleeping arrangements in that house, it's all so weird. And she goes, also, the whole woods laughing wolves is singing me right back to the books I read as a kid, specifically Penelope Lively and all of those old ones, Standing Stones Forest Folk. So No, I'm not familiar with them. I'm not familiar with them either, but there must be. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that. And then she said that she's not up to Irish legend, but there's always been stories of sprites and woodland people, good and bad, feels like they may be in the mix here. So that's supernatural element. And she said that she's going to read the books afterwards because... Yeah, same. I'm going to read them It afterwards. definitely does make you want to Yeah, I was going to hold off on the books until all three series of air, but then I'm like, no, I'm just going to read no, In the Woods and y- the Likeness. Yeah, I'll read one and two, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one and two. Um, so guys, we probably are more confused now than we were... <sighs> I feel like I'm on some sort of a path, but it could be the completely wrong path. Yeah, but I like that, though. We're only halfway through as well. Yeah. There's four hours left of yeah. this show. A lot can happen and a lot can change. So what are we looking to find out? We need the big kind of questions are... Well, so there's obviously huge questions, such as who is Lexi? Then a sub-question will be who is her... She's pregnant. Who's she pregnant with? Yeah. Did Frank know about her? How did she get access to the ID? Who the fuck are those Trinity students and why are they living in that weird 
um, house in the woods. Was Dr. Hanley at that house party? I think he was. What happened at the house party? What happened at the house party? I'd still like to know who is Cassie. I f- like after her parents died in the crash, did her aunt keep her? Did she did she send her off to boarding school as well? Did Cassie and Rob meet over there because the aunt when couldn't handle her? We want to know when their did meet Cassie cute. and Rob meet? Yes. yes, show it to us. Please. And was Cassie always? Definitely, I need to know more about her. Yes. Um, Where is Helen? Where's Mrs. Fitzgerald? Is Mrs. Fitzgerald evil? Who's Helen again? <laughs> Helen's the housemaid. Oh yeah, where is Helen? Um, who killed Katie? What's yeah. going on with the pink and blue? Is What's the mum going like, on with the phone? Jess is the password. The phone. That's a fucking clue. Is the mum basically like her whole life been living in absolute? What's the word? Like, is the mum suffering so badly because of what happened in nineteen eighty five? Because she covered up drugged. a serious. I, I think, think she's, she's drugged, drugged, but I think yeah. she's being drugged because she covered up a crime that that. She had. She, she was forced, forced to cover into up. Covering exactly. up a crime. So she gave the three lads, Shane, the Carl, alibi. and John, the alibi. Which, let's be honest, she made it up. Like I yeah. think that's probably fair to yeah, say. Totally. Um. Also, what's going on with Deck McCabe, the the detective who worked on until the bitter end and wrote in his notebook in 1987 that was then discovered by Quigley, shredded by Quigley, and then taped back together by, by Adam. Rob, yeah. How much does Rob know? Why and wasn't is he playing he both sides? Why wasn't he bleeding? Yeah, there's so many questions and hopefully we're going to get some answers next and week. And who's Fran from Love Hate? Yeah, who? I know. I was like, he's All in right, there. Lizzie. Yeah, and he was like to Lexi, oh, keeping a low profile, are you? So he knew Lexi as well. We're going to see more from Lexi and I but think... But did he know the old Lexi? I just couldn't figure out if he just, they look alike and did he actually know Cassie? Oh, Jesus. My I don't, head I actually is actually spinning. I apologise. Hopefully apologize. we'll get some answers next week. We'll get loads of answers next week because uh, Cassie is going undercover as Lexi yeah. into that student, co- uh, student accommodation. <laughs> the mansion. English the manor. The, the Irish manor. The mansion. Yeah. Like, uh, so we'll find out loads. And I do feel like we have we have got loads of answers even between episode three and four. Like we got, I've, I feel like we got loads of answers in four. So just we'll keep that jump going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you think we've missed anything or uh, some of our theories are wild or you have theories that are even wilder, please get in touch. <laughs> Shrinepod at gmail.com or you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at Shrinepod. Yeah, that's it, isn't it, really? I just need to go off and uh, have a long share and think about all this now. I'm going to go cast yeah. a spell. <laughs> I feel very mystical after that episode. I might start a notebook like Deck. Jack McCabe and just scribble my thoughts and theories into it all week like a mad person and then I'll just shred them (laughs) (laughs) this is TV worth talking about so we want to hear what you have to say find Shrine Podcasts on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Shrine Pod Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.